Welcome to I Wish I Knew, a podcast by Disrupt Ed TV, where insightful and net reflective educators talk about a situation where they found themselves saying, boy, I wish I knew. Today, we're talking with Professor Joe Pizzo. As you know, this is a show where educators share a time when they jumped into something and wished there was one thing they could have known that would have helped out. Joe, what story do you want to share with us today? Chris, I actually have something that's not necessarily a story, but it's a little bit more global. I have a quote from St. Basil that uh, I rely on quite a bit, and it motivates me every day. St. Basil said, a tree is grown by, I'm sorry, a tree is known by its fruit, a man by his deeds. A good deed is never lost. He who sows courtesy reaps friendship and he who plants kindness gathers love. And I use that every day because my parents supported me with a lot of that love and kindness and encouragement that I'm sure is is contained in the way St. Basil lived his own life. In the early years of, of becoming an educator, I'm not sure that any of us when we face our, our challenges or have those moments of doubt, really know, did we make the right choice in our careers? Should we have gone for money or fame or status or, or a different challenge? And I know that I've come to the realization every single year that realization becomes stronger, that I'm in the right place. I'm where I need to be. I'm influencing young lives and I, I can go into my classroom every day. It doesn't matter what the weather is. It doesn't matter if the schedule's been changed or if we have to have a new requirement brought in. I'm in the place I should be. I enjoy the students. They know I enjoy them because I tell them. And I also am very honest with the fact that I let them know I never did well with busy work. I, I just would get distracted or I would think I've done the same problem for 30 or 40 times. Why do I need to do it? And the more I've taught, the more I've realized, well, maybe the educator who assigned it way back didn't realize that we could have known what to do in a little less time and then extend it in maybe a, a bit of a different direction to apply that new knowledge in a different way. Mm -hmm. The fact that there are 40 problems on a page doesn't mean 40 have to be assigned. Right. It's interesting that in education has come so far, at least in many classrooms, it has come that far. And I think that's a refreshing, um, refreshing thing. Uh, I don't know about you, but I was not one of those kids who liked to just sit down and do my work. I was always done early. I was always the nudge in the back of the class. And uh, it would have not been nice to have someone to tell me to do something besides sit down and be quiet. So I can see that that's certainly not your mantra. And uh, I know you've been teaching, is this your 45th year? Yes, I started my 45th year just recently. And what grade are you teaching? I teach seventh grade. That's awesome age. I, I agree. Usually when I tell people I teach seventh grade, especially if they're not educators, but a lot of times, even if they are, uh, they, they get a little bit of a, of an expression <laughs> on their face, or a puzzled expression. 
I get pats on the shoulder, I get reassurances that th this, this must really be something that you enjoy because I could never do that. And then mm -hmm. I just smile and say, you know, I'm in the place I'm supposed to be. I always found seventh graders to be open for whatever challenge you want to give them. Yeah. They uh, were always energetic and, and up to whatever it was. And I'm guessing you find the same thing. I have worked through a lot of different challenges that we all face in life. And both of my parents who are, are no longer with me suffered from some long-term illnesses. And I provided care most recently for my mom. I, I was thankfully blessed with a relative who helped me in the last two years uh, with, with some difficult times with her. But uh, I was basically given that challenge and my students knew what challenges I was going through. The, the parents in the community uh, were always so supportive of, of my efforts to be a good son. They would, in their organized prayer groups, they would pray for my mom or my dad. Uh, I would have my students make cards on Christmas because Christmas was my mom's birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they would make a happy birthday, Merry Christmas card. And I would bring those to my mom when, when she would be in the hospital or in the, the rehab center, the nursing home, I would bring the cards. I, I remember one instance where I was coming out of what was then Somerset Hospital. It's now Robert Wood Johnson at Somerset. And my students had gotten, and of course there's always one student who organizes these things. They had gotten the, the huge poster board <laughs> and designed the card and had every single seventh grader sign the card. And some put little messages inside. Well, I brought that to my mom and I had it in her room. She was getting ready in, I think, a day or two to leave the hospital. So I went up and I grabbed the card. She said, take the card home now because we'll have too much to carry tomorrow. I said, okay, you sure you don't want to keep it here? He says, no, 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 it'll, it'll be easier for you just to take it home. I said, all right, I'll do that. And I got into the elevator to ride down to the first floor. And I remember there was a nurse getting in with me and she looked at me and she said, that's the card. <laughs> and I don't even know what kind of expression I had on my face, but I, I just sort of looked at her and said, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, the card? <laughs> and she said, everybody on the floor has been talking about that card. How wonderful. And I said, my students made the card for my mom. And she said, oh, how wonderful that is. You must have such amazing students. And I said, yes, I do. Well, I think compassion is something that as educators, um, sometimes I know we talk a lot about how we have to be compassionate to our students, but I think they also have a need to be compassionate in return. And that makes them feel as connected to you as it makes us feel to them. And I'm guessing that was one of the best ways for them to connect with you and the challenges you were facing at the time. I think that students enjoy uh, helping others. And mm -hmm. that's one of the soft skills 
before we went on, you and I were talking about a, a, some presentations that I had done at uh, the New Jersey Education Association Teachers Conference just the other day. And one thing that my colleague, Dr. Pasek, and I tried to get across to everyone is the fact that students need soft skills. They need to feel needed. They need to know how to make someone feel needed. They mm -hmm. need opportunities to help others. Mm -hmm. We have, and, and I'm so proud of my students for this, uh, we have a garden in Chubb Park in Chester, New Jersey. And that garden is a memorial garden for uh, Port Authority patrolman, Greg John Froner. Mr. Froner had three children come to our school and through our system. He was saving lives on 9-11. And on one trip back in, he didn't make it out. And so soon after that, uh, we had done some readings. We read a story called Zebra by Adam Martin Zebrin. And Zebra is a young man who loved to run, but one day he was hit by a car and it, it injured him and he couldn't run. He was put into a, a special class where students who were having some readjustment problems could readjust. One day when he was outside in the summer, he saw a, a gentleman digging around in the garbage and he wondered, why is he doing that? And the man came over and asked him if he knew anything about the school. And he said, yeah, he goes there. And he was asked, well, I'm looking to teach a summer course in art. Uh, with whom should I speak? And Zebra tells him, well, the principal is in charge, but you probably want to speak to the vice principal because she's a lot nicer and you, you may get a better response. It's very mature. Uh -huh. So he goes over and he gets the job of teaching found art to these youngsters. He invites Zebra to come in. He says, well, I don't know. He says, well, let's think about it. Well, Zebra does sign up for the course. And the gentleman teaching the course is a one-armed artist. And wow. they find out later on that he lost part of his arm in uh, Vietnam. And his best friend was a helicopter pilot who was killed. Now, that gentleman's name is on the wall, the victim's wall for the Vietnam um, war, conflict, whatever we'd like to call it. And so every year, this teacher goes down and places a project from a student who has those same qualities and has inspired him the same way that um, his best friend had inspired him when they were both in the services together. Zebra's project is the one that gets chosen. And a letter is written back to Zebra. And when he comes in after the summer, he's, he's excited to be back in school, but his assistant principal is even more excited. She wants him to read the letter and he reads it. And that story is explained to him. And I said to my students, do you see how students can make a difference in someone's life? How they can be the motivating forces in someone's life and how outreach 
is so powerful. That's a lesson every one of us should have and every one of us can learn. And the students agreed. I said, we have, we have Mr. Froner in the community and he's one of our heroes. And who are some of the other heroes? So we listed all our heroes. We talked about traits of a hero. And then it was decided we need to do something. What hero should we choose? And the kids said, well, let's, let's choose Mr. Froner. I said, great choice. And we decided that we would try to pay homage to him some way. We thought about uh, making a garden at the school, but then one of the kids suggested, well, why don't we go to Chubb Park? Because then the whole community can come. If we make it at the school, they can only come when school's not in session. Mm -hmm. And I said, you're right. So we, we had a committee meet every single Thursday from January through June. And they designed the project. They reached out and found um, a landscaper who agreed that he would donate all of the, the funds and materials and whatever was needed. He would donate his own workers' time as well. Wow. We just needed to get the approval. Mm -hmm. One of our students sketched out the garden. We were able to go to uh, a meeting of the council, get approved what we needed to have approved. And then off we went to help to create this garden. Mm -hmm. The students wanted to have the garden um, dedicated on Father's Day because Mr. Froner is a dad. And we all thought that it was a nice idea, but I said to the kids, it's Father's Day and people may be traveling and they have a lot of commitments on Father's Day. So why don't we do it like a Saturday before? That might be a better choice. And the students said, yeah, yeah, we can do that, sure. So we helped uh, Mr. Vichetti, who was the landscaper who donated his time and his men's time to do some of the plantings and, and some of the arranging of, of the flowers and the shrubs. But the garden still stands today. Uh, it's a beautiful garden. It has benches that were donated, uh, hand laid sidewalk, flowers and, and, and shrubs. Uh, it has a flagpole with a flag and a light. Nice. And we had our big dedication ceremony with the, uh, the bagpipe group from the Port Authority. They have a, they have a, a group of bagpipers and they began and ended our dedication ceremony. Jill, that sounds like a great, great opportunity. Well, I guess my question is, what are the takeaways you would like our listeners to take from that? Students need a chance. They need an opportunity. If you put the right opportunities in front of them and you get their input, they can create miracles. During that project, something I can tell you that will go right to your question, one of my students uh, that I had the year before was a kid that some of the teachers didn't understand. I'm an out-of-the-box thinker. I don't even know there's a box. So I relate to the, to the kids who are maybe the outliers, the ones who aren't your typical everyday, hands-folded, sit-up-straight student. Mm -hmm. This young man was in eighth grade at the time. I had had him the year before. I had taught his sisters as well. And he was nothing like his sisters 
they were very behaved, uh, very polite. Uh, you know, they, they, they did what you asked them to do. And this young man would sit in the back of the room and sometimes be half out of his chair. Sometimes he wasn't even in his chair. He might be underneath the desk. But he had the most unique poetic vision. And he could produce some amazing poetry. Well, I always refer to him as Poetry Man. <laughs> well, I'm sure that you made a big difference in that young man's life, Joe, as well as with uh, all the children that you had working with you on that garden. Um, I think that's an amazing opportunity that you took and that you gave to them. And I do think that it is something we need to remember as educators, that if we give them a chance, they can do amazing things. Um, we've been talking with Professor Joe Pizzo today. And Joe, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us. It's an absolute pleasure. I appreciate the fact that you've allowed me to share my story. My pleasure. Um, we hope that you'll all join us again when we talk about Disrupted TV Podcast. Thanks for listening.